I'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, we're going to look at, looks like I gave the wrong verses, I apologize about that, so in the bulletin, that is not what, we're not going to be looking at verses 10 uh, through 17, that'll be next Sunday evening, Lord willing. Uh, tonight we're going to look at verses 1 through, uh, 1 through 9, so Matthew chapter 13 verses 1 through 9 will be the focus of the sermon tonight. So Matthew 13, beginning in verse 1, before we hear God's word, if you would join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together, friends. Our Father and our God, as you bring us through the desert of suffering and tribulation, you expose all the more our sinfulness and our waywardness. And so through this, we are able to cling more closely to Jesus Christ and to trust ever so deeply in his work and his person. So we thank you, Father, that you bring us through trials of various kinds, and we thank you for your word that is full of hope for wayward sinners like us. So we pray, Father, as we hear your word proclaimed this evening, that you would instill hope inside of us, that you would draw us nearer to Jesus, the sower of the seed, and that um, we would be lifted up in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, beloved, this is the word of God. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the word of God. Well, this section begins with a shift in scene. Jesus had been in a house when he was speaking previously. If you look at verse chapter 12, verse 46, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. So his family had shown up outside, apparently a house, to speak to him. Now in verse 1 of chapter 13, we see this, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. So we're told here that great crowds gathered about him, so many people in fact that he was forced to withdraw from the beach and get into a boat in the water where he sat down. Now this action put some distance between him and his listeners. His listeners are still on the beach and he is in the boat, so there's some distance there. But it also aided Jesus in being able to address the whole crowd. And so, not unlike a preacher getting up in a pulpit and speaking uh, from a pulpit so that the whole crowd uh, can, he can hear. 
This is what this change in scenery provided for Jesus. He then began to speak to them in parables. Now later we are told that Jesus at this point resorted to only speaking in parables. Verse 34, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. And so we have a shift in scene from inside the house now to Jesus at the beach in a boat and a shift in mode of communication. Up until this point, Jesus had preached. He had preached and taught directly, plainly, clearly. He did use some symbolic imagery. He said things like this to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. He had actually told at least one parable up until this point. If you remember, he said this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now with these words here, we see what a parable actually is. What is a parable? What's the idea behind teaching in, in parables? The person who obeys Christ, in that parable that we just read, the person who obeys Christ is like something. He's like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. Thus, the parable is teaching about something in reality, something about our real existence as those in the kingdom of God by using symbols or stories. That's what a parable is. The symbols in the parable often, as I've just said, take the form of a story. And so that's what a parable is, a teaching about reality using symbols. You might think about uh, later, we'll see in Matthew 22, Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. You can almost hear there the, the once upon a time aspect of the parable Telling, once upon a time, there was a king who gave a banquet for his son. In fact, Jesus says something similar in Luke, in the parable of the great banquet. He says this, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And he goes on to tell the parable. It's a, it's a story. It's a fictional story, but it tells about something real, something about uh, the nature of the kingdom of God and the and the nature of who we are as those in the kingdom of God and even the nature of those outside the kingdom. So parables can be fictional stories with fictional characters, almost like a movie. Very often movies are meant to convey a kind of particular message, like recorded visual parables. That is often what you have in movies. They are communicating a message through what you see on the screen. Well, Jesus' parables are also... They're, they're fictional, they're, they're stories often using symbols to teach about reality. They're also drawn or can be drawn from elements of everyday life, like the one that is given here. That's what we're dealing with here, about the sower. The people he was speaking to would have been very familiar with the idea and the image of a sower, a man sowing, a person sowing seed in order to get a harvest at the end of harvest season. And so whether it's a made-up story or images drawn from everyday life, parables were meant to teach about a particular part of reality. Very real things. These are lessons about very real things using, though, representations or symbols. That's what a parable is. And therefore, in this parable, Jesus is not literally talking about a sower of seed. 
Though there's elements in, in the parable that would tie up with, with actually sowing seed, but he's not literally talking about sowing seed. He was using the activity of sowing seed and the image of a man sowing seed to illustrate or represent something else entirely. That's the idea. And he later gives an explanation to his disciples about the meaning of the parable. And so we'll get into it in sort of an introductory fashion here, and we'll wait till a couple weeks from now when he gives the full explanation. The seeds represent or symbolize the Word of God. The Word of God being preached or taught. That's what the seeds represent, the preaching of the Word. The different ground or different types of ground or soil that the seed fell on represent different types of people's hearts. We will look at, again, we'll look at this more closely when we get there in uh, verse 18 and following. But then why at this point did Jesus begin teaching this way? Why did he begin, was it because he was in a boat? He thought it was more appropriate for preaching in a boat? Why did he start Speaking in parables like this. His disciples actually asked the same question in verse 10. His disciples came to him most likely later on, after, this is most likely after he got out of the boat. And they asked him, why do you speak to them in parables? Well, that's, yes, that's verse, verse 10 of this chapter. His disciples say to him, why do you speak to them in parables? So his disciples are wondering the same thing. What? Why the change in communication? And Jesus answered them like this. He says, to you, to you, my true disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. That was his answer. Not a very clear answer if you're looking at this uh, immediately, but that was his answer. Uh, We will look more at that particular answer too when we get there, but this is important for us right now in this section. This is all interesting because when he says this parable, he had physically distanced himself from the crowd. He, has, he was once in the house, very close to them. Now he's, there's some physical separation between him and the crowds. He's sitting in a boat, the crowds are on the beach. Only later when his disciples come to him does he give an explanation of the parable. He, he tells the parable And then it's only later on that he gives a full-fledged explanation of what the parable means. And he said, I speak to them in parables because they do not understand. Now for his disciples who had faith and for us today, we can can certainly learn something from the parables. They're They're not without value. But these valuable lessons would never be understood by the unbelieving Jewish crowds. They wouldn't they wouldn't get them. They didn't get them. Remember what Jesus said about the majority of these crowds. He says, an evil and adulterous generation. That's what they were. And he says, the last state will be worse than the first. That was verses 43 and following of the previous chapter. So they were an evil and adulterous generation that couldn't understand the things of God. In other words, Jesus was in a way judging Israel for her unbelief. He was in a way judging her by speaking in parables that they wouldn't understand because they couldn't believe his plain speech. If you will not receive my words when I speak plainly, then I will begin to speak in parables. 
And this method will further shut you out from truly understanding. That's the idea that Jesus is saying here. You can't understand what I say when I say it directly. I'm going to start speaking gibberish to you, basically, because you don't, you're not going to understand anyway. You don't want to understand. And when I speak in parables, that will fully seal your unbelief. So the reason that Jesus could do this here was because he knew their hearts. They were still gathering around him in great numbers, but did they really want to follow him? That's the question. Did they really want to not only hear his words, but obey his words? Why were they there? Why were they on the beach? That's the question that's being answered by Jesus here. They're not there to truly listen and believe. And so Jesus begins to speak to them in parables to seal their unbelief. Now, Jesus knew this. He knew their hearts. And this fact would become more evident when they had Jesus crucified. And so they now get parables as a form of discipline, as a form of judgment. This parable is about a sower of seed. This largely agricultural society would have immediately recognized this image. A farmer sows seed to... Uh, he sows seed to gain, gain a harvest, to watch it grow, and hopefully at the end of the harvest to reap the harvest and bear fruit. Verse 8, some seed produced grain 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. That's the idea. This particular sower seems to be sowing seed everywhere. Some of the seed fell on the path. This path was most likely a reference to the path that runs through the fields that was worn down and had no depth of soil or very little soil. The seed is quickly destroyed. It's consumed by the birds. It doesn't sink down at all. Other seed does not produce grain because it lands in rocky ground. The soil is a little bit deeper, but it's still very shallow. It quickly shows promise. That is, it grows, it sprouts for a time, but its roots are not deep because the soil is not deep. The soil is bad. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The soil is bad. In verse 5, there's no depth of soil. The seed had no root because of the soil. Not having deep soil uh, meant that the seed could not get water once the sun came up. And so when that sun did come up, the plant was scorched, it dried up, it didn't produce any grain. Other seed was sown among thorns or weeds. This The weed-infested soil eventually overcame the rest of the ground. The good seed had no room to grow. It had no room to be nourished. It was something like what happened with the rocky ground, where there's no depth of soil. They have no water to to get to in the shallow ground. Now, in this bad soil infected by weeds, the weeds take up all the nutrients. And so the good seed can't grow. There's no place to go. The thorns grew up and choked them. It suffocated them. And so there was no, no harvest, no fruit. Now this is a pretty bleak outlook for this sower until we get to verse 8. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. It's the purpose of sowing. To get fruit, to get a harvest. Finally, there is a harvest from the sowing of seed. Full and rich, perhaps much more even than was expected by the sower, 100-fold, 60-fold, 30 times the amount sown, an abundant harvest of good fruit, plentiful fruit. He who has ears, let him hear, Jesus says. What can we learn from this parable for now? We're going to look at it some more in a couple of weeks. 
Well, in the Old Testament, God is the master planter. He is the master sower of seed. He planted, he sovereignly planted Israel in the ground and made her into a kingdom. He made her into a lush, vibrant vineyard full of fruit. It produced fruit and it was supposed to produce more fruit. He did this by his word. Well, in this parable, that is, God did this by his word. He planted Israel and caused her to grow. Well, in this parable, Jesus is the sower, which if the Jews were paying attention, if they had faith, they would recognize that this is an indirect claim by Jesus to divinity. He is the master sower of seed that was already present in the Old Testament. Jesus is ultimately the sower. The seed is his word. The purpose for Jesus' preaching was, produce, was to produce grain, produce a harvest, to bear fruit in repentance. That's why he preached. To, once the word went out, he would see, and others would see, the fruit of repentance. But for the most part, however, this had not happened. The disciples were seeing this. They had followed Jesus. They had seen the crowds follow him. They would heard him preach. What do they see with their eyes Not much repentance. Not much of a response, a good response to what he was preaching. And this will get worse later on as they begin to turn on Jesus and then ultimately have him crucified. Why was Jesus' ministry to Israel so unsuccessful in this way? This is something that the disciples would have been asking. Why, Why are they not responding? Why is this ministry, for the most part, a failure? Jesus shows them here because of the bad soil, because of the hearts of the people. Again, we'll look at this in more detail later, but a couple of things that we can learn from this now. The disciples would understand this first point fully later on. They're they're still growing in their understanding. They would understand this even more later on. But for now, they're beginning to see this. The church is called to sow seed everywhere. That is one thing we can learn here. The church is called to proclaim the gospel, testify to our faith everywhere, liberally, without distinction, to all people, without prejudice. We proclaim everywhere. We give a defense of our faith to anyone who asks, anyone. That is a message, that is a lesson we can learn from this. We don't get to decide who we proclaim the gospel to or not. We proclaim it to everyone without distinction. This sower in the parable almost seems careless with the way he sows the seed. The seed is literally falling everywhere and much of it's wasted. This is how we are to approach the preaching of the gospel and giving a defense of our our faith. Anyone who asks, anyone that comes before us, we share this good news. We are the light of the world. We sow the seed of God's word to anyone, to everyone. All are welcome to come and to hear the gospel. And so we should not be ashamed of the gospel. We welcome people to come, listen, yes, come and hear the word. Come, be saved. So this is something that, this is our attitude that we should have. Now as we do this, we need to appreciate that there will be different responses Not all who hear the word truly have spiritual ears to hear and believe. Some will respond in faith. Verse 8, there will be fruits of repentance. The seed will land on fertile soil. 
Some will respond in this way. We preach and profess and we defend to anyone who will listen. But the responses will vary. And when we see that some of the responses are negative, that there is no fruit, perhaps there's immediately no fruit, and perhaps over over time you recognize that there wasn't any real fruit to begin with, with this person or the next person. We see that, we see the different responses, and even perhaps when we see largely a negative response to the gospel, we should not think that there's something wrong with the seed or something wrong with the true sower of the seed, namely Jesus. There's nothing wrong with Christ. There's nothing wrong with the message. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. It's not the seed that is bad. It's where the seed lands. It's the hearts of people that are bad. Lastly, let us not be like these Jewish crowds in any part of our life. Let us not show up in worship like these families on the beach showing up, pretending to want to hear something from Jesus. That's why they were there. They were pretending. He spoke to them in parables because he knew their true hearts. They weren't there to really listen and to obey. They left confused because they were hard of hearing. They didn't have ears to hear. And so let us not be like them. Let us truly come to hear the word, to receive it, and to obey it. When we do hear it in gathered worship and reading throughout the week, whatever it may be, listen, actually listen. Like his disciples, bear fruit. That is something that we can learn. All of us can learn from this. We are always in need of reform, friends, all of us. There are always places in us where Jesus' words need to sink in, to bear fruit, There's always places in our soil that need to be tilled, where we need fruit to grow and to sprout roots and to bear fruit. So that is the lesson that we can learn. Let us not be like these unbelieving crowds in this way. He who has ears, let him hear. To Christ be all praise and glory now and forever.